I hope wherever you are, whoever you are, that you're having a wonderful morning, evening, night, day, 5 a.m., 2 a.m., whenever you're tuning into this. I hope that you were able to have something to eat or drink. And if you haven't started on your homework already, pause this. I'll still be here when you get back and make sure you start on that. I'm your host, Vibova, and today you're tuning in to Vibova's Mind. Thank you so much for listening. And we're just going to get right into it. Today, we're talking about the many different things that happen in society and what goes on in my brain. But today, we have another brain with us, and that is the mind of Sumanth. Hello. And Sumanth and I are always talking about things that happen in society or just pop culture, politics, and we always just talk and rant about it i'm sure he can also vouch for that yeah for sure it's always a really nice thing to talk with friends especially about stuff like this yeah and with all the current events you all like we all know that talking just definitely helps kind of understand and formulate your opinions ideas and thoughts about things and there's so many things that we've noticed are trends that happen in society and just all the things that are normalized in communities and like in our daily lives and one of the things that I think of and just with the internet being such a wide place that everyone goes to and something super common that has become really normalized is cancel culture yeah cancel um, culture yeah (laughs) you're good cancel culture Uh, is just something we see a lot just happening yeah, and uh, I think in terms of cancel culture, like, it's important to understand, like, the definition of it nowadays, especially, like, as with anything, you always have to understand what is the reason that they call it cancel culture, what does it really entail? Like, I mean, if you are talking about bringing a certain amount of backlash to an artist or to a celebrity or to anyone, you kind of understand why, what is it that people do to that celebrity? Why what is it that they try to bring that backlash? What, what methods do they use, I guess? So I, I guess that's one thing I wanted to bring to you. What do you think is like the most accurate definition of cancel culture nowadays? Yeah, I definitely think identifying that is going to help a lot with the conversation. But um, I think cancel culture is just choosing one person and basically huge storms of backlash towards one person for a specific thing that they have done like usually it's just one thing that causes cancel culture I realize but I think that's like the more general definition yeah I mean honestly it can be just one thing but I guess what is it what is cancel culture worthy at this point that's a huge question that's coming around because like if you notice a lot of people especially nowadays are being cancel culture i mean being canceled and i think it's because of course with the amount of free time we we have on our hands we're normally i mean without the quarantine normally pop culture is like the life or the life around it like the celebrity life it's so moving and like there's not much time for like going back and like revisiting stuff but at a time like this where everything's kind of like a standstill there's a lot of scope to like revisit the past and like you know that has its benefits and that also has its like um disadvantages as well the benefits of course could be something like nostalgia or like being able to see all those things back then it kind of lets you reconnect with the past but I think one of the big disadvantages of it is that 
you're kind of in a different time period, you know, because like in time periods have totally different settings and like people were so different back then what might be um what might have been cool back then might make us really cringe right now and i think that's where a lot of the conflict around and the controversy around cancel culture kind of arises so yeah what what are your thoughts on that yeah definitely i definitely agree like the time frame affects a lot like during a 2000 you know time frame where it it was, you know, less education about just like what's offensive and what's not a racially offensive joke may have been totally okay, even funny or humorous at the time. But, you know, looking at that now would probably be like, absolutely like, no, this is not okay, just because with the racial education that we have in today's society and how much it's evolved. And so it's really good, like you said, nostalgia, and there's so many good things about revisiting the past, but you also have to realize that there's so many things that are just continuing to change like throughout the decades, throughout the years, days, months, and certain things are being normalized while other things are, you know, taken a deeper look into. So you just have to take that into account. And a lot of times when people are getting canceled, it's for things that they've done in the past or things that people have done unknowingly. So I guess my question is, like should the past affect your likelihood of being canceled I guess is what I'm trying to ask well there's two different questions I guess here and one is will it get no will it affect which is obviously the answer is yes nowadays as we've seen with cancel culture and the question that you're asking is should it be so the question that second question kind of has a lot of layers here because when you look at it but deciding whether someone should be canceled is what brings so much of the controversy nowadays. Like a lot of people hate cancel culture because they're just like, okay, why cancel them? They might, they might've changed so much since then. And they might've done so many things to like help the world and like realize the better side of themselves. And you have to kind of wonder why is it that a person like that would get canceled? Is there any way to undo those mistakes of the past, undo that kind of like immature self and stuff. And honestly, past the past never should really judge a person too much but here's the thing the past is always a teacher right because what you do in the past mm-hmm. gives you a lot of experience you learn a lot from your mistakes in the past and that can show a lot about how a person has grown how a person has improved but can it really show anything about how a person is also not improved can it really show anything about how a person has not been doing anything to become a better person or like become more mature and I guess the answer to that question is in a way because like if you look at the repeated behaviors like the people that constantly seem to show this certain pattern of like bad behaviors or like bad thoughts and stuff like racial slurs and stuff I guess if you see that originating from the past and continuing on to the present of course yeah that's a reason that's a valid reason to believe that they haven't changed and they're not going to change anytime soon but if you look at the fact that the past often does have so many different like circumstances it has like so many different settings from nowadays meaning like it has a totally different it was a different environment back then. And I guess that's one thing that you do have to consider. So if it's a repeated pattern, obviously, yeah, it it should definitely determine whether a person should be canceled. But if it's like something like that could have been considered acceptable back then, but also could, could be considered terrible now, I guess you have to see, does that person 
adapt to the sensitivity of this current environment? Or does that person still have that same immature and um, ignorant sort of attitude? I guess that's what you kind of have to look at when you're answering a question like that. What are your thoughts? Yeah, actually, I think that's a really good analysis of cancel culture, because when it's a repeated mistake, then that's when, you know, it's I feel like it's appropriate to say, again, we're going to be talking, I feel like we're going to go more in depth into this depth into this. But I think that's when it's appropriate to start support or, you know, to take away your support or respect for someone when they continually make the same mistakes and they don't adapt to current society and repeat those mistakes from the past. Because as you said, the past is a teacher and like it teaches you a lot about the mistakes that you've made. And when you show remorse and you apologize for the mistakes that you've done in the past, it shows that you are an improved person. But when you continuously make the same mistakes, that's when you realize you have to stop supporting them. But just because someone has repeatedly made the same mistake, should they still get canceled? I don't think that's the right way to go about things. Okay, I understand that cancel culture is so... Actually, before we go on to the next thing, I just wanted to bring this in a bit. So you did talk about apologies there, which is actually a really good point. And that's definitely one thing you have to consider in cancel culture when we look at mistakes. Sorry if I'm interrupting you from a different question. I just want to make sure we can get this out in the open. But like when we look at mistakes and apologies, what are your thoughts? What do you think can really show can you do you ever think an apology can really show whether a person has learned from their mistake or whether a person has actually genuinely improved or is a changed person do you ever think an apology can show that like an apology video or stuff like that what are your thoughts yeah I think it's important that you bring that up because apology that's kind of like how people usually you know control their damage or the damage that they've done and I think that there's very few times an apology video or apology post tweet or anything has saved an influencer celebrity from being canceled because even though like they and that's why so many people don't make an apology because when an apology is made there's so much backlash or lack of care for that apology like no one pays attention to it But when it's not made, people are like, why aren't you addressing what's going on? Because I feel like either way, you know, with an apology, all you can really say is, I'm sorry for what I did. Mm -hmm. I won't do it again. I recognize my mistake. No matter how you say it, it can be a 10 minute long video, a two second tweet. It's still the same message. And that message may not be enough for people. For sure, for sure. And yeah, I think the fact that most of the time apology videos, and I know this may sound like a bit of a weird statement, but they kind of show a more weaker side of the person. I'm not saying it's a weak thing to do apologies, but they kind of show whether that person can own up to their mistake, whether that person can really be have that strong mind to get through an apology. Because an apology, it's a very embarrassing thing to make sometimes meaning it's very it you lose a lot of dignity when you make an apology video you have to really show people that you really care about the mistake and I think that's why a lot of people are really scared to do it like you said and that's also the reason why a lot of people just do it to save face and when people kind of do apologies to save face they do it in these sneaky ways like oh they play the blame game oh he did it oh she did it Mm -hmm. oh they did it and it becomes just this kind of uh huge chaotic mess of 
slights and loopholes. And that's why apology videos, it's impossible to find whether they're genuine. So I just wanted to get that out, you know? So, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I totally agree with you. You can never tell if an apology video is genuine just because, especially for influencers and larger celebrities, because honestly, anyone can get canceled now. If someone makes a TikTok or I know talking about TikTok (laughs) and all of these new social media platforms is very (laughs) interesting. But like if someone gets a million likes on a TikTok and it's something negative, that's immediately being canceled. But can that like small creator of like 10,000 make an apology video? Will it do anything? Probably not. But like, you know someone with 2 million, 3 million subscribers on YouTube, they'll probably have to apologize for their mistakes or, you know, do something like that. And even if it's a smaller creator, they may still apologize. However, you have to realize YouTubers with tens of millions of subscribers or people with a bigger platform, they have a management team behind them. Mm-hmm. You, They're helping them with the apology videos. Like, you realize that it's not all coming from them. It's a lot of help yeah, sure. and a lot of wording choice that you know saves them from damage control yeah for sure and like i think that's what i talked that's why i brought up the loophole thing because like people are finding ways to save face and find these slight ways to kind of put it in the most pr sense for uh, possible you know what i mean like there are always these mm-hmm. uh, uh, pr reps that people have i mean these celebrities have and they, they're very sneaky because I, I think PR in general is a very complicated thing. You can't appeal to everybody in the first place. Like, of course. Yeah, yeah. So many people may have so many different opinions. Some people may stick with you. It's really hard to form like this general opinion or like a general public's mindset. So I don't really get why these people kind of even bother trying to deal with PR in such a complicated way. And yeah, I, I guess... That's just mainly what I wanted to bring up with the apologies and such. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that apologies, it, they honestly, it's, I think that PR, yeah, you're right. They do, they really do do stuff like that. And sometimes we see that a lot of people are able to get away with their, you know, quote unquote cancellations or, you know, allegations or whatever. And you know, save face and make sure that they don't actually get canceled because their PR team handles things very well. They know the ways to do proper damage control. And obviously everyone's PR team, every celebrity, influencer, YouTuber, whoever, they obviously each team operates different based on each person's career. But I've also noticed that... As well as target audience. um, yeah, target. I was right about to mention yes, that target audience is such that affects their cancellation itself as well as their, you know, reaction to apology and the likelihood of them getting canceled. Mm-hmm. And with the target audience comes the relationship with the actual, you know, because some people, their audience and the YouTuber or influencer, celebrity, whoever, they might have a really good like audience to. Um, I guess, creator relationship and they have a strong fan base, which often prevents very problematic people from getting canceled. And I just want to know, like, what do you think 
or how do you think this relationship you know or how have you seen this happen uh, um, yeah, there, and how much does it affect yeah, uh, this is a uh, good point actually the audience um, uh, the audience created a relationship and before I go fully into why um, some notable examples I'm going to try to just uh, <laughs> sorry about beating around the bush but I just want to kind of go into the, uh, um, the what's really going on in the mix right here so when you have a creator that's very genuine with their audience, obviously the audience is very passionate about that creator. The, the when you because a lot of the times when you have like a huge management team and when you have when you start commercializing all these things so much, the creator obviously tends to become less natural. They just become all about making sure they're doing it correctly, quote unquote correctly. And like I guess mm-hmm. when you kind of look at it in that sense the creators have less of a relationship. They get to know their audience less. And I think their audience gets to know them less as well. Because you kind of don't have this unique bonding where the audience, where you're not crafting things based on how your PR team views the audience. You're crafting things based on how you view your audience, right? And I think that's where a lot of these uh, problems occur. Like if you take PewDiePie, for example, he has a great relationship with his audience. He's, he literally has like subreddits dedicated to his audience. He has all sorts of things. And he's just, he's never mm-hmm. liked the ideas of management teams and this whole office and all that sort of stuff because he likes making genuine content and genuine stuff for his own audience and that's why he, he has like a huge fan base 100 million subscribers and i know people are going to start saying stuff like oh but some of them are fake accounts and it's like yeah i know that's a big point <laughs> but like still um, it's it's a huge audience and i think that that's why even though he tends to speak his mind very openly and he tends to be problematic sometimes which of course it's a very uh um, it's a very marginal sometimes it, it he tends to know how to shape his apologies like if you've noticed a lot of people's apologies are like what one hour long or something his apologies they're straight <laughs> to the point he doesn't beat around the bush and he doesn't play the blame game and i think that's why he ne- he always manages to get past it and show that he's learned from it because he knows he i guess when a creator acts more like their audience they vibe with them more obviously right and that's the thing that some of these youtubers that manage to do so well despite cancel culture that's how they operate because they act they think so much in the point of view of their audience that's what pewdiepie does and that's what a lot of these other youtubers do and i think that's why they tend to get so much less backlash and even if they do get a lot of backlash their supporters always run to the rescue and then it kind of like reflects a lot about how much the supporters really like that creator and i'm not going to talk about whether like uh, pewdiepie is a bad person or something of course i don't believe that of course (laughs) but um you can't really look at whether um a person i guess what I'm trying to say is that whether a person has like a more passionate fan base or like a more dedicated audience and they've built that connection with them, that definitely decides a lot as to whether that person really even gets affected by cancel culture, whether that person, because Peter has been canceled many, many, not canceled, but there's been attempts to cancel many times. And they've even, that's why a lot of people, especially the media actually hate him because of the fact that he's one of the biggest YouTubers and the fact that he's basically taking away a lot of revenue from these media sites and all. And that's why they try to 
cancel him and they try to also make him look worse. But because of the fact that he's developed this huge relationship with his audience and the fact that he's really gotten in touch with the uh, the personalities, he's more natural towards it. And that's why even when people try to cancel him, you can't cancel him because he's just impossible to like take down, I guess, for lack of... Sorry about that rant. Uh, what do you think about this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think that you brought up a wonderful example. Even though I might not watch PewDiePie, but I understand that it's super... I don't think people understand how difficult it is to build a relationship with your fan base. And I think he's done a wonderful job in doing so. In the little that I know him, I know that he interacts with his fans with like in his YouTube videos, like they send him memes or whatever. And he, you know, even with such a large fan base, he's still able to do that, which I find really interesting. And I've also noticed, you know, as creators grow they lose more and more touch with their fan base and also just with their content in general which makes them more likely to get canceled Mm -hmm. yeah for sure and i think that's the thing especially about youtube back then i mean there's a lot that can be said about and I, i apologize if i'm only using youtube constantly it's because it's probably one of the most uh it's one of the most widespread forms of platforms and Uh, social media right now and I think when you look at YouTube it's been there for quite a while like since 2009 and that's I guess that's why a lot of creators called 2009 like that perfect stage like everything was just so natural everything was just so fan to creator it wasn't it wasn't like Instagram where you just view a page or you follow someone it was more like an interaction where you talk with someone or where you like feel with someone I guess there was things were just so 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 much more personal back then so I don't think it's necessarily because of a fan I mean because of a creator growing up but it's also in part to do with the fact that YouTube is growing up the fact that it's becoming more mainstream and more socialized I mean more mainstream and uh it's become more mainstream sort of yeah i won't add any words there <laughs> it, the fact that it's become more mainstream has kind of made things more like less about the audience creator relationship and just more about the creator reaching out to other people and try to become widespread so i guess rather than trying to build a stronger relationship with the audience they already have they're just trying to look for more i guess that's the way to put it yeah like more people I know that like YouTube started out as a completely different platform, but now a lot more people are going there to get like an AdSense check. They're going there to like go get their sponsorships and go make that money and do those kind of things. Because a lot of, you know, YouTubers then kind of just went to make content fun, like kind of like how we use Instagram. Like, I don't think a lot of people use Instagram to go become an Instagram like celebrity or anything like people use it as a platform and I think that's how YouTube was used as well and now it's just kind of like a way to you know make money and when I think of YouTube I think a lot about TikTok because TikTok has become that platform and there's when I think about that there's such a low creator to um, audience Mm -hmm. relationship it's just it's not really well-formed on TikTok, which could be why a lot of TikTokers and people get so much backlash for 
you know, their career. And I don't like calling it a career. And I don't like, you know, using the social media platform as an example, because it's less serious as YouTube or something else. But it is something that's emerging. And we have to take into account that this is also like, a huge platform. Even though, like, it might seem cringy. Yeah, um, I think that's what amazes me so much. Because TikTok, I'm not sure when it was created, but it's recently, of course, grown. And actually, you know what? Let me just search that up right now. <laughs> uh, TikTok was created in September 2016. Okay, so that was four years ago. In four years, it has grown so much faster than any of the other sites. It's grown beyond, like, people can even catch up with it and that's the thing that that more and more people are starting to look at tiktok as a way to get famous as a way to like and that's what happens when you start looking at a mm-hmm. site as a way to get more famous as you said it becomes less about the audience creator relationship and it becomes more about just a creator to widespread relationship and i guess that's that's the thing with most platforms that kind of deal with that uh, that kind of uh, becoming famous and then becoming a more mainstream kind of application. And yeah, that is, that does cause a lot of cancel culture. So yeah, I know we've been talking a lot about like this audience creator relationship. So I just kind of want to table the discussion over to uh, um, cancel culture. How does this all like relate in the large scheme to cancel culture in general and like the whole topic? And why do you think cancel culture is so toxic because uh, of this sort of stuff right now? Yeah, I think it's really good that you're kind of directing it back. And we went into so many aspects of just creators and like, trying to dissect why it's such a huge thing. And I want to say, I think that cancel culture, just, you know, I think it's something that's super harmful to not only creators, but just overall audiences, and just in general, because what you're teaching when you practice cancel culture is okay like when you make a mistake people are going Mm -hmm. to attack you for it and you know cancel culture like people go as far as to being doxxed especially on tiktok like i love that social media app sorry just give me a quick step you know yeah but like that is seriously just one of the biggest ways that people get canceled and just absolutely just everything sorry just... you don't hear any uh, background noise back so you have to you? realize yeah, okay. no yeah, you're good that. yeah don't but, worry about um, it yeah i think cancel culture um if you don't mind repeating that last point what were you saying about uh, the general um status of cancel culture i was just saying like how it can go as far as to people being yeah, doxxed Especially I was talking about, like, just people being doxxed and all of that. It's absolutely crazy just off of maybe one or two little mistakes that have been made. and I think that's the thing about cancel culture. Like, I don't think we know the extent to which it goes nowadays. Like, what used to be backlash against a creator for not wanting to support them, for wanting them to feel guilty about what they did, has become, like, it's become like a murder mission now. Like, you started growing into like, yeah. making these people just feel absolutely terrible. And yeah, some of them do deserve it, maybe. But you're not, the point of cancel culture isn't to show people that they, they don't deserve to live. It's, the point of it is to show that they need change. They need to kind of make those, they need to make the effort to actually become a better person. And I think that's the thing, because when you use these harsh methods, that doesn't do anything with respect to making them want to change. That just does 
more that just induces more exactly. fear or something yeah. like that and that's not the best way to show someone to change i guess everything is just trying to show people that hey it's time to grow up you're you're become, being insensitive and it's you're not supposed to do stuff like that right and that's the thing when we make these methods like doxing and stuff like that it doesn't really get the point across as well because what we're trying to do is much harsher way of telling them that change and we're in that process we're making them feel threatened to the point that they're just totally like i guess they're just not going to change at all because they're just going to focus on everything that's being used in cancel culture rather than why it's being used so yeah i guess that's just uh one the main thing about uh, cancel culture in general yeah i really like that you brought up the fact that they're not going to be thinking about why they got canceled they're going to be thinking about like all of like the backlash and all of this that's happening to them not the original reason and I want to actually say like you know when a creator makes a mistake and you know people are upset by this I feel like cancel culture should not be the go-to method and obviously we've established this throughout discussing and how you were talking about the effects of how far people will go and it's like a literally a murder Mm -hmm. mission but what instead is the more approachable method and not supporting or yeah that's looking to this person up up to this person anymore that's a good question and uh honestly if i'm being really the most honest i can there's no general method that's possible like you can't generalize a method for creators to want to change because a lot of the time, what cause oh, sorry. a lot of the time what causes repeated mistakes is stubbornness, right? When people are stubborn and when people are just not willing to be respectful of others and when they kind of treat things as their own ride, I guess they don't they they're not going to change very easily. Backlash is not gonna change that because after a while it becomes less about just trying to save face and it just becomes more about yeah actually sorry it becomes more about trying to save face because you're trying to use this dignity and i guess that's what some creators are too immature to realize that sometimes the dignity is admitting you're wrong instead they think the dignity is trying to find ways to prove you're right or trying to find ways to prove that everybody else is using you and or like stuff like um self-victimizing and stuff like that right and yeah when it becomes so much about self-victimization never going to change and I noticed that that's happening more recently. That's why people aren't owning up to their mistakes as much nowadays because of the fact that they're, they, they're just becoming more stubborn and they're becoming more immature about realizing what the real dignity is. And that's the reason that others are getting so frustrated and tend to these methods like doxing or like the murder mission as I was talking about before, right? So mm-hmm. that, that pent, pent up frustration kind of like adds to that uh kind of adds to that yeah extremes extreme, extreme. Sort of, uh, methods yeah. of canceling someone so yeah sorry about that uh long rant <laughs> <laughs> no of course uh, i think you brought up some really interesting points and you can never force someone to change whether you guys have to realize like whether you're looking up to them as a creator whether they're your best friend and they continue to make the same mistakes, you can't force yeah, someone to, to change. That, that they have and to if you want to, you know, take these extreme methods. Mm-hmm. 
And like, if you want to take these extreme methods into, you know, going and canceling someone and you don't support this person and you've established like they continue to make mistakes and they don't change instead of, you know, doing all these extreme methods, bringing hate to their page or, you know, doing that because you realize that hate does boost them essentially and, you know, boost the algorithm into getting into Mm -hmm. more people's feeds. You can just simply unfollow or block their accounts if you want to and stop watching their content if you really care about not supporting them anymore you can just just ignore them pretend they don't exist anymore and that's essentially like canceling them in a nicer way well not close off i'm not sure whether you're uh, going to go into that yet but i just uh, wanted to add this one final thing that i think cancel culture has become less about trying to create a positive environment and just more about trying to create a more drama-filled environment and that's why people hate it nowadays because it's not what it was intended to be it was intended to make this environment this uh platform so much more friendly and positive and uh not as filled with these um vile acts of hatred and now all it's become is just trying to find drama and trying to make the environment move more and i would like to amend my original statement i don't think that because the um quarantine is about uh i don't think that people are canceling people more in quarantine because of the fact that people are able to find stuff from the past entirely I think it's also because of the fact that there's not much drama nowadays because of the fact that celebrity life is not as it's not moving much. It's like at a standstill, like I said before. Mm -hmm. And I think people kind of want that drama. People kind of want that environment from before. And that's why they're trying to find this drama in new minds. They're trying to find it in different forms. So that way they can kind of induce that same environment again. And I guess that's what these drama seekers are the ones that end up making cancel culture so much worse than it's supposed to be yeah and yeah i definitely agree it's a lot about drama and drama is entertaining to audiences you know like when you hear this new controversy of course you know it's going to be a little bit interesting like oh what did this person do what did that person do and like before we close off i think both of us would like you as an audience to realize how do you partake in something like this and really look at how you know you view cancel culture and how you can prevent cancel culture from being as toxic as it is whether it's just unfollowing and simply not supporting this person anymore or taking a better approach in these kind of situations i just wanted to also add like you just need to find the reason. Are you canceling a person because of the bandwagon, because other people are doing it, because it just rises the drama? Or are you doing it because you truly feel that person is like a terrible person? So I guess that's kind of where you have to know where to draw the line or know where to not carry it into this terribly toxic thing that it's become nowadays. So yeah, that's all I just wanted to say. Yeah, and we thank you so much for listening in today's episode. We hope that you learned something new. Thank you for choosing my podcast, and thank you so much for listening. Thank yeah. you, Samanth, for joining for us sure. in this conversation. It was definitely yeah, super engaging. Hiccups and here and there. And, we learned a lot uh, yeah, together. For sure. This really, uh, um, it was a really interesting conversation, for sure. Yeah, thank you so much again for joining us. Thank you so much for all of you guys viewing. And I hope that you can join me in next week's episode of Vibe of His Mind. See you all soon.